In a week where Gary Locke's testimonial year begins, you would think that the end of times is near on Jambo's kickback. First things first, uh, the hottest statement of the week, the big debate, the question on everyone's lips. Simon, what exactly is a lunch dinner? I was given an hour to find Pater for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what it is, first of all. <laughs> I think it just might be a sort of late lunch. What I mean, where it comes from, like what we're talking about. All right. <laughs> um, aye, Gary Locke's testimonial dinner. Um, but it's a lunch dinner on the on the promo. So um, Gary Locke, pretty legendary man. I was actually thinking about like even just what Gary Locke has been involved in since we were sort of sentient because he was maybe just a wee bit before what I can remember really. Yeah. But he was uh, the manager when that season we got relegated, but we actually it was actually a really good season. We ended up relegating Hibs as well. He was a manager during that relegation party derby. Um, he was on the coaching staff for the 5-1 game. Um, so, I mean, I think he's probably been on the coaching staff since he fucking retired for actual football. No, just about. So, um, but aye, good hearts man. He's, he's been dedicated his whole life and he seems like actually like a quite a good guy. Oh, the best guy. Aye, which is quite rare in, in football and especially when sort of things come out later, eh? So... <laughs> <laughs> can ruin a man Hammy we of course uh, had the privilege of meeting Gary Locke quite recently you have fond memories of that night in the whatever the pub's called in Tynecastle. I wasn't actually there I missed that night but um, I heard <laughs> all the stories about it um... <laughs> so drunk I was <laughs> fuck um, fuck uh, having better things to do apparently and um, <laughs> storming off and such things so right. he seems like I've, I've Met uh, Gary Locke a couple of times. Always when there's drink involved, um, <laughs> he'll be there. Weirdly enough, I usually in hospitality, he's, he is an actual genuinely nice guy, mm-hmm. and he um, he seems like he's um, friendly with just about everybody. He seems to know everybody as well. So that takes a lot of effort as well, even just making I... an effort all the time. Because I don't know anyone. I socialise very little, and I'm knackered after it. <laughs> Hi. Um, bye, Gary Locke. Um, it feels like we're moving out of the age of Aquarius into the into the age of Gary Locke with this testimonial. That, a year-long testimonial, starting off with a lunch dinner. It was just phenomenal. Um, and like Simon said, in all seriousness, for everything he's done, done for the club, uh, a lot of the time, not getting paid for it through the, the Romanoff end of the era. What a man. Uh, you can't buy tickets yet for the game, but we're a long way away for that. Um there's a good story for you. I don't know if you saw this from the lunch dinner, which also had an auction to raise money for someone. Um, don't know if that was the Foundation of Hearts, Big Hearts, Gorgi Farm, no idea. But anyway, uh, a signed <laughs> Cami Devlin shirt went for £3,500, a lot wow. of um, Up next was Ian Black. Uh, Ian Black stood up um, with his signed shirt and it went for £1,300. <laughs> And then ever angry Ian Black said that Devlin couldn't even lace his fucking boots. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Um, there's a big headliner for his testimonial game. Bloody Rudy Scatchel. It's going to be making an appearance. That's going to sell it. 
Oh, that, that alone is worth a ticket, eh? Right. Buzzing for it. And we, we never approach anyone to be a guest on our podcast, but I think we should try and get Gary Locke on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, saying that, he wouldn't exactly want to punt tickets for your own testimonial. Maybe we'd have to ask, like, his pal. Well, maybe get, remember Jolly? Maybe get Jolly on <laughs> to try and punt some tickets. Um, right, good. Uh, Hammy. Before we speak more hearts, uh, let's speak about the the bloody Denmark hearts, sorry, Scotland game. Um, was it the best performance you've ever seen? From Scotland against Denmark, I thought we were, yeah, one of the best performances. We just played so bloody well. And Denmark, I mean, I know folk will say Denmark had nothing to play for, but going through that group unbeaten, I think would have been a big achievement for them. And then... Um, they, they didn't rest many players or whatever. They played a, as much as a full-strength team as they could, and we, ah, we were all over them. It was brilliant. Really good. I think that just the way we applied ourselves in that game was brilliant as well. Constantly, you know, you could see us one a lot, maybe holding back um, and trying to see out that one nil one but we, we kept going for it. And then obviously getting the second in the 86th minute, it was, it was amazing. I've never cheered a goal that much that... You know, in the grand scheme of things, probably doesn't mean a lot. We were already sort of cruising by that point, but it was it was great. Mm-hmm. A feel good factor again. Right, and you've went through all of that, Hammy, without even mentioning John Suter or Craig Gordon or also McPhee. <laughs> what, what about Stephen what about, Smith? <laughs> what about those guys? I like John Suter looked genuinely brilliant. I think. You know, I never thought I would ever say it, but when Grant Hanley was out, I was a bit worried. But, you know, John Suter um, seemed like a ready-made replacement. Him and I think it was Henry and Tierney that played at the back looked great. Cooper. Um, Cooper. Oh, sorry, Cooper. It was Henry, another one. Isn't it? Cooper. I, actually, Cooper, I was worried about him as well, but he, mm. he looked really good. And he leads captain centre-back. You never think you'd say that, but yeah. we seem to have a good bit of depth at centre-back now. And... John Shooter coming in, comes through the game uninjured as well, which was always a worry. And then getting a goal, a good goal as well, a great header, reaction mm-hmm. header. So that'll do him wonders. It's a shame that he couldn't continue that form into the weekend, but we'll get on to that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Gordon exactly. again having a great game. So it's yeah. great to see um, Austin McPhee, set-piece expert. Right. Well, you said a reaction header from Suter. That was straight off the training ground. Yeah, all week. That's go. why he's kept his job at Villa. Hmm. Is he staying on with uh, Stevie G? Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's kept it. So he must Superb. like all that stuff. <laughs> Wonder if uh, it'd be quite daunting. Imagine like Gerard going in there, and if he wasn't aware of Austin McPhee, if you were to see him for the first time, you'd be like, "Oh, hi there, be the barber." <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? Um, right, anyway. Uh, speaking of John Suter, Simon, but Hammy, I'm sure you'll, you'll want to chip in here as well. Um, Nielsen said in the last week that he's, he's actually hopeful of Suter still signing a new deal. Um, first of all, a task he's openly, are, are you? No. Oh, no, nah, I don't think he signs either. Hammy? No, I, I think he'll be away. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, sadly. Uh, me, me too. Unfortunately, uh, we done a done a wee poll on Instagram. We got I think it was about four hundred votes on it. Um, mix across the board, but yeah, it was at twenty percent confidence levels. 
That's their ball signing a deal, so that's quite a good indicator. I thought with those kind of numbers. Um, next question for you is: Would you would you like to see him go in January for five hundred grand? And a, a listener pointed out you could still insert a sell on clause, um, or would you rather you know see him through to the end of the season, proper send off, have a good campaign with him, etc.? What's your thoughts? I, I go between thinking. Um... Thinking both. I mean, ideally, he resigns and we sell him in the summer, but I, I don't think that'll happen. I think he'll maybe agree something to move somewhere in the summer. But I think you can still get a sell-on clause if he does leave in the summer. Um, if he's sound enough, he can negotiate into his contract a la Callum Patterson when he left. Mm. Um, I think he would have to be a pre-contract. That would have to be a deal. Aye, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um. But he can still negotiate a pre like in a pre-contract in January and put it into that that his hearts get a sell on fee. Mm-hmm. That's what Callum Patterson did. So um and I I flicker between thinking that like he, he does owe hearts something and, and the fact that we stuck with him, rehabilitated him through through some pretty awful injuries, um and obviously put time and, and money into his career. Um so to be repaid would be nice. And then I also go between He's probably got like another 10 years at most playing professional football. This is a job for him. He needs to make sure that his family is set for life. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he if he does sign a new contract, and even if it is with the scope that we're going to sell him, imagine he does play a couple of games and he's out again, and that's that chance to make life-changing money gone. So mm-hmm. I, I get both sides of the argument. It is difficult, though. Yeah. It is. Hammy, you were tinkering away on the old phone there. Have you got something to tell us? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I sort of, I do agree with what Simon says, but I, I think we should cash in um, get what we can for him. I don't think it'll be a lot. Six months left on his contract. Yeah. So I guess that's where the sort of argument would come in. If we're getting paid pennies, then why would we why'd just play him? Get the best mm-hmm. out of him, but Ah, it's a tough one. If we get, if we, I think if we get offered anything like five hundred grand upwards, I think we should just take it though. We have to. Yeah. yeah, we're a selling club at the end of the day. Um, so it's going to be sad to see him go. It will. Um, I think the the list. I think the latest count is nine clubs from the English Championship are now interested in them, as well as Rangers, obviously. <laughs> um, but to think, like, Suter won't be on, we know Suter's not on more than five grand a week, then he'll get at least 15 grand going to the championship. You know what I mean? Highest bidder he could potentially go to. You do any walk of life, if somebody offers to triple your salary, you're going to go anywhere. You'd even live in Stoke. So and you, you also get, like, when you're playing in the championship, there's a high possibility that you're going to end up playing, if you're there for a couple of years, like one of the Man U's, Arsenal's, Chelsea's, Man City's, like these mega clubs that you just don't get the opportunity for when you play for Hearts. Yeah, exactly. Aye. Jim. So yeah, that's John Sewer. We'll, we'll see what happens. We've just got to enjoy it while you've got it. Eh? Yeah. Um, Hammy, moving on to potentially some boarding news. Um, <laughs> since you're the, the brightest spark among us, uh, sorry, Simon, tell us about the, the financial accounts in summary and who this chap Jerry Mallon is too. So, it was actually it was actually really good news. I guess the the headline figure is we made two million pounds profit um, in the last financial year that covered 
you know, the, when we couldn't get fans in the stadium, which is, you know, amazing, to be honest with you. Um, now, there was some caveats to that. There was £6.385 million donated to Hearts, um, which come came from benefactors and donations from the Foundation of Hearts. Um, Mr. James Anderson himself donated £4.2 million and 500000 coming from another benefactor. That was me, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you from all of us, Jerry. Um <laughs> So that takes up James Anderson's, um, I think over the last two years, 7.2 million or thereabouts, which is just unbelievable. Um, (laughs) What's he doing? Has he not got anything better to spend the money on? It's it's mad. Um, He must have so much money. (laughs) I thought he was rich. I thought he was rich, but 7.2 million pounds is a lot of money. What are hearts then? Where is this money going? I know. How am I dig deeper for next week? Well, I worked at it, guys. I, I did. I worked at it. Turnover was down 4.6 million. We had yeah. donations of 4.7 million. Um, that's the sense. So we lost all that money from, you know, walk up fans, season ticket sales. We were in the championship as well, remember? It was, you know, it was just a bad season. So I like to think at the start of the season, they went, Listen, we're going to be this far down. James Anderson just went, didn't worry, guys. I yeah. would go to it. Because um, I know that, you know, there was, you, you look at social media and things and Hibs fans and other fans are saying, oh, you would have been in a loss if they didn't donate the money, but yeah, they did. So it's, you know, it's not really a conversation to have. What I would say, though, is that this obviously it's something that we can't rely on. Um we can't just say, say there at the end of the season, go, James, fancy chucking in another four million. Right, we pissed another fucking four and a half million up the wall. Um, <laughs> but he's on the board. He clearly knows what's going on. He sees everything. So I'm sure I would like to think anyway that he's sitting there going, let's know, maybe do that. Because right. I can't bill you every time. So, but this last season was obviously, it was a, I can't imagine we'll have another season like that for a while. Um, a couple other wee bits and pieces. We had £940,000 gain on the sale of players. So uh, according to the accounts, we got just over a million mm. for Hickey. Um, and then there was a costs of player registration sold or terminated of 129000 So I don't know. I always remember when Hickey was going, there was chat about a fee going to Celtic. So that oh, may have right. been that. Mm. Um, but still, you know, a million quid in player sales is great as well. Um, and we spent two hundred thirty-three thousand on acquiring player registrations. So I think Mackinef, oh yeah, um, that would cover him. Um, mm-hmm. We paid six hundred forty-six thousand pounds in legal fees to challenge the SFA. Oh, I fucking for um, demoting us. So that was in those money. accounts. That's not a fair chunk of expenditure. Aye. Aye, exactly. Um, and other than that, it was all pretty good. I think if we can, which I'm sure we will, our turnover will go back up to what it was, um, we'll be well in profit. Um, that was really it. The benefactors just plugged that gap of yeah. um, the turnover being down, which is really good for them. Um, you asked about Jerry Mallon. Aye, who's, who's this guy? 
So there's is votes for the Foundation of Hearts board. Um, there are three people standing down. Um, I think Gary Halliday, he was one of the founding members. He's actually retired and he's going to become the first director of members affairs for the Foundation of Hearts, which is um, going to establish to develop our fan engagement work, which I think they need to do. So that's, well, that's just that's just getting out on the bevy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, Gary, Gary Lockstrom. Um, and they, they, I think they need that because there's always been this sort of issue of communication with Foundation of Hearts. It's not great. So um, that hopefully that um, works wonders. So there is five people being nominated for these three positions. Um, Andrew Brown, Jerry Mallon, Brian Muir, Graham Robertson and Louise Strutt. Louise is an existing director and she's yeah. standing for re-election. The CVs are quite impressive. Um, Andrew Brown, who's General Manager of Technology Solutions for IBM in the United Kingdom. Uh, Brian Muir, retired, but he was a superintendent in Lothian and Borders Police, followed by a 10-year spell as a stadium manager at Hamden Park, Glasgow. Graham Robertson, who owns his own two companies, uh, including a nursery, and Louise Strutt, who I just mentioned, who's a highly qualified financial planner tax advisor. But the one that sticks out, Jerry Mallon, who is CEO of Tesco Bank and member of Tesco PLC Executive Committee. He was also the former chairman of the Irish FA. And just to chuck in the mix, he's got a first-class honours degrees in economics from Cambridge University. What's so, <laughs> Seems like a fucking show-off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, he's obviously... There's three positions, but I think looking at, like, you know, kickback and Twitter and things like that, I would, I would be shocked if he isn't given one of those positions. Um, and then we are all on the board as well, remember, as owners. We're all part owners. Part Aye, owners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... I think the takeaway point is if we can attract somebody with, you know, his CV, his contacts to, uh, remember, this is a voluntary unpaid position. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I think it shows what pool we've got and not just him, everyone else in that list is a very highly qualified um, person willing to use their own time to listen to bangers like us, moan at them usually. <laughs> you calling a banger. <laughs> Cameron's not on this podcast. Oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> no, it's uh it's really good Tommy. Thanks for all that. Um it's about there's some really impressive hearts fans, eh? When you think about like, all those people support our club, that is cool. You never hear of anyone decent supporting Hibs. Do they support Hearts or do they just see it as a job? <laughs> well, it's a voluntary position, they must support Hearts. Because it'll be non pro It's not like you can just come in, invest. It's not like James Anderson's putting this money in and thinking, oh, well, if we get Champions League money, that's a wee investment for me. I'll get my money at the back end. That's like her Rangers operate. But you get none of that with Hearts, eh? No, this is, let's say, this is completely unpaid. They're all volunteers. Um, and I guess it's good press for them, but. Mm. Yeah. You never know. In a few years, it might be. Tesco, Tynecastle Park, or Sven oh. Eriksson's on the board. <laughs> I mean, be careful calling a Tynecastle Tesco again. <laughs> we've, we've been there before with Calla Holmes. Maybe this was Hib's plan all along. This is a plan. <laughs> Jerry <laughs> Malin's actually Irish. a big Ivy. <laughs> right. Let's keep an eye on, on that story as it develops. Eh? Oh, dear. <laughs> um, 
Good. Yeah. Last piece of news and credit to uh, Jambo Youth Report on Instagram. Always a, a good read to keeping up with the, the academy. Uh, hearts under 18s are absolutely flying at the moment. I don't know if you've seen this. Unbeaten in seven, winning five out of the last six. Um, John Rankin said after beating Dundee United 3-1, it's getting to the stage now where we're winning games and obviously that's important. We've got full-time players um, who are helping develop players born in 04, um, develop players born between like 04, 07. Players like <coughs> Bobby McLucky. <laughs> Speaking about Finlay Pollock uh, being the, the more the full time footballer, um, after the Dundee United win, they went on to beat Aberdeen 3 2, with Finlay Pollock getting a goal and two assists in a performance which apparently blew everyone away. So it's good to hear. Like, we've got some decent young players coming through the, the ranks there. I Building. can't wait for them all to Tuesday go to the gym in third tier instead of staying there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Andy Irvin. He still hasn't played another minute since we last spoke about him on the page. <laughs> That's the uh, the old youth academy. Um, I, I had a bit to speak to Cameron about our Finlay Pollock bit. I just wanted to see if he wanted the money now. <laughs> Don't think he's getting on this season. Nah. <clears throat> Good. Well, that wraps up all the news. And uh, unfortunately, Simon, <laughs> go over to you now. Uh, and I'm, I'm very intrigued because speaking about the Motherwell game now, I've had a, a hellish weekend and day. Haven't even seen the full highlights for the game. They'll tell me all about what the fuck went wrong. What has changed so much in two weeks to end up 2-0 down to Motherwell, Simon? <laughs> um. Aye, so we, we pretty much stuck with the same lineup that absolutely walloped um, Dundee United 5-2. Um, the only difference was Taylor Moore moved in for Halkett and Michael Smith came on the park. Um, but the front three was the same. Boyce was on the bench, whether they was tactical or whether he thought Boyce maybe didn't have a full 90 in him or whatever. Um, didn't really work this time. I feel like now that a team's seen it and they, they know what to prepare for, um, I thought Michael Smith was miles off it. <laughs> I'm just going to go straight in. Well, um, it was a it was a bad performance. I think there's obviously a lot of hyperbole around touch. Um, every time we win, it's the greatest day of life. Every time we lose, everyone needs sacked. Everyone needs dropped. <laughs> we should be starting. All the players who haven't started for months should walk right back into the team. You know, our best players for for the last, what, 10 games should be dropped instantly because they played a bad 60 minutes, you know. <laughs> hearts all over. It, it was a really difficult performance away at Motherwell. We didn't show up for the start. It kind of felt like after the first 20 minutes and then we conceded, there just felt like an inevitability that I've not felt with this Hearts team yet um, that we were just not going to get anything for this game. I thought Taylor Moore at right centre-back isn't as good as he is at right wing-back despite the size of him and it feels like he should be perfect in that right wing back role. Hmm. I felt like having his athleticism up and down the side of that park instead of Michael Smith is just such a big help for us. Interesting. And I think we missed Halkett at the back. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you this. Paddy was quick to tell me this. Do you genuinely believe that? Yeah, I think... um, I think it was just a bit shakier. I don't know why. Like Motherwell had 20 shots on goal. And now I know that's partly the midfield's fault as well. I thought this was by far 
Devlin's and Beningame's worst game for Hearts. I wouldn't think that dropping them and bringing on Haran is really going to change much because the way we play two centre mids, as soon as you've got one that can press and, and Harry for a good 90 minutes, it's done because it's just one centre mid against three, essentially. So dropping them is not going to change anything for me. I just think it was just one of those days. I don't think we need to worry about it too much. I think the lull and the feeling that we're all feeling is this is probably returning to the norm. This the sort of results we've had in the last month or two mm. where we probably draw and lose as many as we win. Mm-hmm. That was exactly my pre-match, pre-season prediction for the league. It was an even wins, draws, losses. Yeah. For this reason, because we've been shite away from home for a decade. <laughs> this is nothing new. Yeah. I think um, the start was great and obviously there was a great feel about the club and I still think we can challenge top two, top three at least is, is really possible for the squad. There's a lot of talent in it, but because we will be only challenging for the top two, top three and not pushing on for the title, that we are going to drop points and, and lose games away, especially away from home. See, so up front, Simon, from the, the limited highlights I've seen, it looks like Ben Woodburn was actually playing through the middle this time rather than Gino. Is that right? Yeah, I do feel like um, Woodburn was was a lot down the centre a lot more and it didn't really work. I thought Gino got a lot of stick um, for that game, but it's difficult for him. There was one point where he he was the man at the front post on a corner. Firstly, why is Gino the man attacking the ball at the front post? He cleared it and then the ball fell to a Motherwell player on the edge of the box and he was the one closing it down as well. There was just like a, just no urgency about the team for quite a while and, and moments where you're just thinking like, what the hell is going on? Like, Benny obviously got in his head that he was having a bad game and you'd want him to be mentally be a bit tougher than that and to be able to overcome it with his talent. But aye, there was moments where he was just ball watching and it, it was just one of those days, I feel, for Hearts. But yeah, it was Bed Woodburn down the middle. Once again, very hesitant a lot of the time. Um, doesn't like to shoot first time or play a pass first time. He often needs to take a few touches. And I just wish he would just make a decision sometimes because he's got the ability. He just needs to have faith that he's going to make a good decision. And you can make bad decisions around their box. That's absolutely fine. Mm. But at least make a decision. Okay. Uh, tell me, tell me about the first goal. Uh, I've literally only seen the highlight once. I remember it looking very messy. A lot, a lot of time in the box. Um, let me just remember it. Paddy, cut this out. What was the first goal again? It was like a cross in. Oh yeah, deflection under Gordon. Aye. Um, the first goal, it was that Connor Shields, because I remember they were talking him up that he's been playing really well, and I thought, fucking guarantee he scores here. Um, and he did. And then um, I saw the, the ball was on the right, crossed in. I feel like, I think it was Michael Smith's man overrun him. Um, John Suter kind of got caught ball watching. The ball came back across the goal from the, so it was crossed in from the right, came back across from the left when... Moore or Smith was beaten at the back post. I feel like Gordon could have done a bit better. It was right at him. Ooh. Cameron um, will not be happy. <laughs> I, I feel like <laughs> Gordon, Gordon could have done better on both the goals. Really? I, I haven't even seen the second goal. <laughs> I, it's, um, it feels like it's at an angle that shouldn't be able to get in the, the second goal, but we'll get there. Um, I, the first goal, it was just a, a series of errors that just kind of compounded that feeling that it was just one of those days. Mm-hmm. 
I almost feel like a Motherwell player mishitting it and it falls to another Motherwell player and then manages to go through in between Gordon's arm and his body. It's just a comical goal to lose. Like. Aye. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, dear. Um, it sounds like it was pretty much all, all Motherwell in the first half. I, I saw some raging comments looking back at them, my timeline. We had one shot and that was that one really early on from Ben Woodburn. Yeah. In fact, Kyle Irving took a shot from that. He lost control. Remember that really good chance? Aye. All came to him out just outside the box, but he didn't control it. It wasn't even a shot, was it? I think um, I think that's up there with our worst half, with um, definitely in the league. But this season, the first half against Celtic in the League Cup, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awful. But at least then you can kind of go, oh, well, it's Celtic away, and we were doing something that we weren't used to doing. We were sitting back and trying to play play tight and then break. Mm-hmm. This game, I just I don't know why it just felt like there was no energy in the squad. There was just no determination. Usually, you see Hearts flying into challenges. I mean, Devlin was going mad, jumping about as always. He was, he had good energy. But with Devlin, if if Benny's not also following that up, it's very easy to pass around them if there's just one person pressing. So, mm-hmm. a good team's going to do that. Yeah. I was surprised to see, looking back at the stats at halftime, we actually had more possession from them, considering people said it was the worst we've ever played. 54% possession, um, one shot, uh, and it was on target. No corners and one offside, which I think is always telling when you see those kind of stat lines as well. To be fair, it was one of those games where you could have told me that they had 54% possession. The game was quite scrappy, so it never felt like anyone had the ball for very long. Right. Um. Into the, the second half, Taylor Moore got his first of two yellow cards. Um, well, first, the first one was probably a yellow. Aye. Um, okay. He, he, it's a 50-50, essentially. The boy manages to knock the ball past Taylor Moore and he boots him in the shin. If, the, if he's a bit quicker, but he knows what he's doing. Right, okay. Professional foul. Aye. On the, the Ubermark, um, Boyce came on for Woodburn. Uh, Nielsen's usual, like like clockwork on the Ubermark. Um, did, did Woodburn have a good game generally? Did he seem to be stoked after his two goals in the, in the previous? <laughs> uh, like I was saying earlier, he just seems like he's always thinking about like th- four different options and he's trying to do too much and he just actually does nothing. Whereas I think if he maybe just limits himself to two or three touches... And he's got to do something. Then, then I think it will come better, become better for him, and he'll get used to actually making quick decisions. I mean, obviously, I'm sure fucking someone's training with him and do, teaching him a lot better stuff than I ever could. But it just feels like if he just limits his touches and and um, just makes a decision, even if it's the wrong decision on the edge of their box or in their box, it doesn't matter because it's in, still up their end of the park. And then it's no your responsibility if they score for there. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. That's what you want your attacking players doing, just just doing something, but he, he's dead hesitant all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, how did Boyce look coming on? Been a while? I, um, he had a chance at the end of the game. Nanduli out-muscled three Motherwell players and knocked it through to him, and hmm. he'd maybe want him doing a bit better, but it's his, his first proper, proper chance in a... How long has he played? Like three weeks, including that international break? Three, four yeah. weeks? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, it's fair enough, but I... Good to have him back. Um, can he wait to get him back in the starting lineup? He's clearly our best player. Um, and anyone else saying that we should stick with this Janelli in the middle is just absolutely off the head. <laughs> I saw um, 
<laughs> like after the the Dundee United ball during the Dundee United game, Ginelli went off and he gave everything. He got the Gino Gino chance. Then I thought, fucking, you deserve that. Like you've got yourself back fit now. You're in the squad and you're flying. Fast forward two weeks, that performance. I've not seen a player get so much abuse this season other than Andy Halliday. It <laughs> is really polarizing with Gino, eh? Like it is. He's either had the best game of his life and can he do any wrong, or he should never have been signed and he's a flop and it's nuts. Like it's almost as if he's been playing out of position almost every time he's played for Hearts, and his good games have just been games where he's just had to pull something at the bag. And mm-hmm. if you're expecting a player to pull something at the bag every single day of the week, he's not going to be at Hearts. Mm-hmm. Right. It sounded like almost no one had a good game. <laughs> yeah, it seems he's getting targeted one way or another day. But that's what good players do. They get all the attention for the performances, I guess. You know what I mean? He's the focus. Aye. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess at that point you've got Boyce has just come on apparently we were playing better you'd hope we'd start coming into the game and nick a goal and then on the 66 minute Simon fucking Motherwell scored again <laughs> um, did Moore not get red carded before that? No, not according to the video printer which I'm currently scrolling down I'd, no Taylor Moore he got did, sent aye, off and if it was a free kick aye. yeah Oh, this bloody Sky Sports Eddie. <laughs> Hate Scottish football. Get yourself a different app. Aye, so um, it was kind of a shoulder to shoulder. I think if you're if you're on a yellow card, you can maybe make the argument that you're not going to take that risk. But really, in absolutely no planet is that. Fair enough if you think that's a foul, whatever, but never is that a yellow card. John Suter's covering, so you can't even say it's the last man. It's not a clear goal, goal scoring opportunity. He's about 40, 30 yards for, for the box, uh, for the goal, sorry. I just, I don't get it. Um, more shite refereeing in Scotland, but I'm not going to say that lost us the game. Um, we were losing before that and we could have defended the, the free kick that came for that subsequently a lot better. So mm-hmm. it didn't lose us the game, but it definitely didn't help. Fair enough. And right from that red card, then I can see it now. They've got a wee graphic for a yellow card and they don't have a wee graphic for a red card. <laughs> I can see now a minute later uh, the goal was uh, was scored. <laughs> from the set piece from that foul. Aye, that's a uh, nice time, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good ball into the back post, but you'd expect someone to clear it. Mm, um, probably Taylor Moore's man. <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, how it goes in for the angle that it does, I, I don't know. When I was watching it, I felt like it had hit the side of the net. But it had actually gone right across the goal and gone into the other side. I don't know. I, I, um, I'd want Gordon to do a bit better there defending for that angle. Mm-hmm. But a defender should have won that ball coming into the box. It wasn't a super fast ball. It had a lot of curve on it, but he's able to deal with it. Right. Uh, and Hammer, you were saying Gordon could have done better for both. I think he could have got to that one. He, see with this one, he, uh, it's like he, he hesitates. He sort of makes a, a move to sort of run and get it. And to be fair, it's in the six-yard box. But then he sort of stops um, when he sees the player. And I think that's just uh, he's maybe he's moving moved too quickly. He's come too far out of his goal. And he's tried to put his hands up to stop it coming in. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, the way it was, he had Taylor Mooden and Kingsley next to him, and it's just I think it's pure defending and. Yeah, I, I, maybe I just ha- hold Craig Gordon up to such high standards that I think he's going to should be able to stop everything. But <laughs> yeah, 
Aye, probably in the same, That's to be problem. honest. But. Uh, and Hammy, but, but I think the most bizarre thing I've seen on Twitter coming off the back of this game was the only player I've seen praise for on a number of occasions was Nand Wheely. He came on after that second goal. Is, is that right? Did he do well, eh? He was right, he looked all right. I think him and Boyce could actually be quite good together. I know it's so like typical big man, little man, but I don't think I think it looked all right. Like Boyce's best chance came from a, a Nanduli knockdown, and I think it does give us a a different option if we do want to play maybe like two up top, because we can you can turn that three uh, into that we play right now with the width that we have from that fullbacks into a sort of narrow three quite easily and have an extra man in midfield. It wouldn't change the team that much. Mm. And then that would maybe give space for McInef to come into the squad as well. But yeah. um, so there is options there. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with having a striker who's actually all right coming off the bench. I don't really want to see Nanduli starting as many games as he, as he probably has. He's, he's no good enough, but if he can come on and have an impact and just give a different look and maybe having Boyce alongside him actually would help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm up for it. As Adam McInef did come on for Benny on the 70th minute, so I assume there was a change in shape for the last 20 minutes or so? I couldn't really tell you what they were doing, to be honest, but aye, there, was, there, was <laughs> loads of, there was loads of attacking players on the park. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, it, it didn't really change much. We we had a few chances, but apart from that Boyce one where he hit it right at the keeper, um, there wasn't really much going on. Right. Fair enough. Well, well that was fucking that. <laughs> it's just a dead game, eh? Like it's just it's one of those ones that every you have every year where you just fucking lose away, like come on, not motherwell, yeah. Hamilton, these games where you just think, fuck this, and it's right. shite. Um and I at full time, um, well, in the second half, we had five shots and three of them were on target. So statistically, we improved. And we had 53% in the second half as well. So just about the same as the first. Hey, that was for the game, sorry. We finished on 53%. So a better second half. But what can you do then? Um, it's hearts away for you. 3,400 jambles should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> now, fair play for, for going through it, Motherwell. Um, I, I was always busy this weekend, never even crossed my mind. But fair play to you, nice wee away day. Um, a few more coming up, uh, including Celtic Park on a Thursday night in the league. A Thursday night, aye, absolute shite party. It's almost as if they, <laughs> it's almost as if they prefer teams from Glasgow. Mm-hmm. That's us. We play a Saturday, Thursday, Sunday. Coming up. Crazy. What? After the game, uh, Nielsen normally is quite kind of short and sweet. He went rambling on after this one. Um, he said, we came here, it was a big game for Motherwell. You could see at the end from the way they were celebrating, which is true, actually. Fucking, they had one of their players had a bloody megaphone and everything, singing, twist and shout, like, calm down, mate. There's a big target on our back. We're a big team in this league, genuinely. Yeah, like I know I'm sort of saying that a bit tongue in cheek, but that's the problem with being Hearts and and most teams having some sort of fucking gripe with you. Mm-hmm. They want to beat you. Yeah, but it just shows that's why we're bigger than them because I think you're fuck about Motherwell. <laughs> I know, fuck your Motherwell. That's the saying goes. Um, he said, Nielsen said we have to handle it. We know it's going to be direct, second balls, free kicks. You give them the lead and they're going to kill the game. So you live and learn. Um, reading Nielsen sometimes it's like trying to decipher Shakespeare I swear 
It's like his, <laughs> what he says verbally doesn't translate into into words on paper, if you know what I mean. Um, he said, I'm disappointed. Uh, I didn't think we played well today. It was probably one of the worst games I've seen in a while. He actually said this. Uh, the game didn't flow. There was free kick, throw in corner, free kick, throw in corner, and we couldn't get any flow in the game. When you come to see games, you need, I'll not say much or I'll end up getting banned, but it was a game, <laughs> but it was a game we won't be looking back on too much. Interesting I, stuff from Nielsen, eh? I mean, obviously he's just saying that Motherwell were just being boring bastards. And, <laughs> but like I hate with, like I hate when managers do this, right? Motherwell obviously maybe aren't if we just if they just kept the ball in the field and tried to play it all along the ground, maybe they're not as good a team and they probably don't have as technical players as us. So you know their best chance of winning. Make it ugly, balls in the box, be physical. So then you can't fucking blame them for doing it. You've got to understand that that's what they're going to do then. Yeah. Instead of going, well, they didn't play the way we wanted them to play so we could beat them. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Something you said, Simon, and it's occurred to me, um, you said about teams now know how to set up against us. And it's so true because we've went through that first round of fixtures now. We've played everyone. And they are, we analysts are going to be sitting there looking at us and going, well, they play the same shape every week. So this is, and this is what's worked against them. This isn't what's worked against them. It's still really, this is Nielsen's biggest criticism is, is kind of one way. There's, um, there's very few managers in the world that have one way of playing football and it translates for longer than half a season. Mm-hmm. Even the very man, the manager at the very top, have to change the way they do things, change the way they approach different games. Obviously, um, this is the next challenge for Hearts, and this is part of why a league is so interesting, and why if you win the league, you you deserve it because it's thirty eight games. It's over, what like eight nine months. It's a long time. You've got to play well for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And there's teams like Rangers, for example. They play a four three three every week. They did all last year, all this season so far. They can do it because they've they've got the depth and they they just can they've got that level of player where they're controlling every game home and away. They can afford to do it, but we can when we're we're not head and shoulders a better team than Motherwell. You know what I mean? No, so the margins are fine, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, you see this season Rangers not changing it up look pretty stale. <clears throat> yeah, well, they're in a period of trans transition. <laughs> yeah, apparently, we'll see what happens there. Fucking hell, Hibs. What are you doing winning at Hamden? What? What game's this? <laughs> no idea. Definitely didn't watch that one. I didn't watch the Hearts game. Never saw the fucking Hibs game. <laughs> um, bye. C'est la vie. And next week we're back at Tincastle and guaranteed we'll go and fucking pump St. Mirren. We'll wonder Good. what the hell happened last week. And we'll forget about it. Yeah. Um, in the table then, after that one, um, three points out of 15 from our last five away fixtures now. Um, Hammy, I mean, Nielsen's biggest criticism since last time he was manager at Hearts was he's kind of set up away from home. We've just spoke about the tactics there. You know, have you got, I'm, I know we've just lost one game, the season's going quite well, we're in third. But is the jury still out now for Nielsen? Is he not helping his case here when we go away and still do the same old negative shit? For me, no, 
uh, it doesn't. Th- this one game doesn't really change things. Um, for a lot of other people, it, it does though. It seems to be when we lose, we get beat. It's it's straight back to the old, you know, feeling up the plane and getting Nielsen out, and it's it's really weird. Um, like I've I've openly stated that I'm not Nielsen's fan. I really I genuinely don't want him as a manager. I don't. I think he's as good as this is probably as good as we're going to get. And to be fair, it's fine. It's I'm happy with him as manager at the moment, but I think we can do better. But then there's other people who want him out and they constantly hark back to, you know, Brora, even in his first time, Burkaraka, when we got beat off that Maltese team or whatever like that. It's, it's really weird to see. Um, and we'll probably get to it in a wee bit, but about um, Hearts fans' reactions to this. I'm like we're third in the league at the moment. I'm fairly happy. I think we can do better. Um, but the waveform is troubling, like really troubling though. Um, and if we want to compete at the top, then we need to do something. And I do think it is the way we approach these games that's the issue. And that comes yeah. through the manager. Yeah. A part of me does feel if we have an amazing home record this season, we could get third. By the skin of our teeth, but you've just got to think. I mean, it's the best squad we've had in since before Gary Locke was manager. <laughs> Probably like 15, 10, 15 years. Potentially, yeah. You know, this should be the season where we're in third and you're looking at up at second, not looking over your shoulder. And it just doesn't feel like that when we play away from home like that at Motherwell. I don't know, it's only one game, shouldn't it be? But it wasn't just one game, it was Aberdeen as well. And that's on paper, three points out of 15 in the last five away games. Uh, it's, it's the difference between being like a genuine title contender mm-hmm. and just an, being another season where you're the best of the rest. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. And potentially, if we have a rotten, if that kind of run of form, three points out of 15 away, if that continues all season, we'll end up fourth or dragged in a fifth, potentially. If we have a wee grey patch at home, um, the, the league is quite tight as well. I think the results as well didn't go the Dundee United one, I think, as well. So it didn't yeah. go quite our way. So it, it sort of tightens up that middle of the 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 league because you know we're we if we lose to St Mirren at home, which I don't think we will, but if we did, it's just five points that gap between down to sixth, and then you know mm-hmm. Hibs have got three games in hand because they're infected mutants, and then that's <laughs> what. It gets, it does, it can get a bit tight. Then the if we're not picking up, we can even get a point away, which mm-hmm. I would take at the moment. It's it starts making and it puts a lot of pressure on you to win at home. And if things start don't go in your way, you know what the Hearts fans are like as well, especially at Tynecastle. They get on your back and it's mm-hmm. difficult. So you know, but I think same man. Let's go into that game. It's not as if we've got easy game away games coming up as well with Celtic and then. Livy and then Rangers, great. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great exactly. run to get three points out of possible 40. Coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um, aye. Hammy, we're angry. I can only imagine how angry the folk on kickback are. What have you got for us? Back away and don't talk a lot of shame. Well, I went looking, right, and I usually go on about, it's usually Halliday who they're angry at, right? If this week it was 
everyone, like literally everybody. Gordon was getting a five out of ten, and that was the best. So I went, right, okay. let's see what else they're angry about. What about each other? What about just raging about fans? So there's a thread started called Worst Fans, dot, dot, dot. Against the grain, and likely this post will be unpopular, like I give a fuck, our fans were shocking today. Embarrassing, actually. Our team will perform below standards at the time, but to boo off your team at halftime is embarrassing. If that was you as much as you think you're a Hearts fan, you are not. There's a big debate and rage about booing. <laughs> um, so there is a sense of entitlement with some of our younger fans that uh, defies belief at time. Having said that, fans can spot when effort is not 100% levels, and that's the bare minimum we expect. This one triggered me a bit. Um, it's the Scottish culture. A serious amount of our support want to be like the old firm. You can squirm in front of your screen all you like. It's a fact. There will there will have been a huge amount that went today only going to see a win. That's an old firm mentality. What? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <clears throat> Hang on. So you're only allowed to go away and expect to win a game in Motherwell. But if you're a stronger squad for 15 years, that's an old firm mentality. Yes. I think that's a very old-fashioned view, sir. Why don't you go back to... <laughs> Why don't you just go and support a championship club, please? We're so so confused. There's so, yeah. many, so many levels to this. <laughs> um, somebody sort of got on, you know, this sort of self-entitlement thing that comes out saying, self-entitlement, entitled to see basic effort and ability. Is that self-entitled? Fuck me, the bar is low, if so. Quite right. Um, there was another thread. Full cap started. Kick back fickle. Ha, surely not. This forum has to be one of the most fickle fans forums on this side of sloppysys.net. So that's hibs.net, just called sloppysys.net. Mm-hmm. Um, for fuck's sake, according to some, we have gone from being title challengers to rubbish in 90 minutes. We got beaten by Murderwell at Fur Park. Where is the surprise? Hmm. Get a fucking grip, for God's sakes. The teams in this league cannot be separated by a fag paper, and we have a lot of youngish players, and blips in form are going to be routine. Get over it. Spot on. And then someone says, this place is full of fucking children. <laughs> <laughs> what, has he not been here before? <laughs> no. um, uh, and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to disagree with a few of these, but it says, uh, those who expect us to challenge for the title are off their heads. We will do well to challenge for third, which is in itself impressive for a promoted side, let's face it. Yeah. Some are mental thinking we could win the league. Another one says, if you thought we were better than decent with some optimism for the future on our recent performances, then you were bonkers. Top four should be a sh- should be achievable, but our away performances have to improve even to achieve that. And um, something we talked about was Nielsen and his plan B. So one says, it was obvious to everyone we were getting outnumbered and overran in midfield. He watched this and done nothing about it. For me, this is why Nielsen will never be the right man. Horseshit. Another one says... I don't think he had a plan A. Awful performance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> another one. I actually cannot believe that we have made the same mistake again. It was so fucking utterly obvious again. Tactically naive and borderline clueless. Um, and I said, I have said this before about him and also said it during his first spell as manager. He's a safe pair of hands, but limited. Overall, he will leave. He will have the club in a reasonable position. We won't win anything, but we will be stable. 
And uh, just to finish off, another one says, I'd trade Nielsen for, in for a six-pack of cream eggs. <laughs> Bloody love cream eggs. <laughs> there was some reasonable points there, but some absolute fucking nutters who need the keyboard taken away from. <laughs> and if you're thinking, is he talking, am I one of the nutters he's talking about? <laughs> Mark out yourself. Aye. See, it is a controversial subject, booing. Your, your own team but in a way maybe controversial I think booing has to be normalised like for example we drew 1-1 with, uh, with Dundee a couple of weeks ago and I, I booed it full time I was going to talk about um, our last game we seen before Covid hit um, uh, St. Uh, yes sorry St. I, I've I don't really care for booing I think I just can't be arsed Um but I was fucking fuming that day because I just oh, thought, man. what have I just fucking watched? I was going off my fucking heat. I had both middle fingers <laughs> up at Stephen Naismith. <laughs> you were in a fucking suit. I was wearing a suit. <laughs> Steaming. <laughs> On a Wednesday night, whenever it was. It was like something like that. It was like the day between our birthdays. Or was it? Uh, I think so, I It was snowing. Aye. <laughs> that boy was coughing in my mouth. Aye, that was the same night as um, Liverpool Atletico Madrid, which they said was like the biggest spike, the <laughs> biggest calls for the spike of COVID in the UK. Oh. Um, but I not normalising booing, I kind of feel like it's part of the culture of hearts. Um, but that needs to be separated from the, the whole old firm mentality bullshit I just feel like it's almost a tradition for Tynecastle to be toxic and I think if you're drawn with Dundee you can expect to receive booze at full time you know as for if you're playing against the old firm see if we go and get beat 5-3 off Celtic at Tynecastle or at Celtic Park for that matter and we've went out and attacked and actually went for it like fair play, you'd fucking stay for full time and you'd clap the players off the park. But if it, you sit back and you get beat three, you know, you'll get fucking booze then as well. And sometimes the booze, the booze are for the performance and the manager. They're not for a specific player. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I did hear Hammy, am I right in saying that there was a lot of booing at full time at Far Park and um, Nandwili had to kind of shuffle the players over to still clap fans Aye. or something? Right? Yeah, no, that's right. Aye. I think it was... So what I was reading that that what did you say three thousand four hundred fans? Yeah. Apparently by full time there was about half of that there. Um a lot of them had left. And yeah, you're right. The Nantwili and oh, there was somebody else was like dragging the players over to just like, clap the fans because mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of money and let's the anger comes from not so much even the defeat, it's more the way that we played. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you've put aside a lot of time, money. Your weekend, if you work Monday to Friday, those Saturdays are fucking valuable. And yeah. if you've put your time to travel all the way to the to Motherwell, and you, that's what you get in return, it's kind of like a bit of kick in the face. It's kind of like you're being scammed a wee bit. Yeah, it's that same sort of feeling when you get done. I thought he was a real Nigerian prince. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of feeling. Yeah, or that old uh, trade swap out trick on RuneScape back in the day. <laughs> don't, don't know what you're fucking talking about. Aye, right, sign. <laughs> um, aye, there we go. Normalised booing at Tyne Castle. That's what I say. It's just tradition. I'll continue to do it. 
if anyone's got a problem with that, have a fucking word with yourself and my DMs are open. <laughs> um, just, just because I forgot, Craig Halkett, Hammy, what, why was he not, was he wasn't on the bench, has he got COVID, has he had his vaccines, what's happening with Halkett? Um, I don't actually know. I've not seen anything either. I think we know what that means when you don't see anything. No, I did see there was something about a groin, potentially. Boy. <laughs> I've, yeah, no, I, I've even just put in Craig, in, uh, Craig Halkett injured news and like nothing's coming up, so... Maybe it's something personal, you never know, eh? Yeah. We'll just see what comes out in the wash. I think we all know. <laughs> um, right, Hammy, by or sell, I assume Mr Cameron has given you some information? He has indeed. Um, so, first, I'll go over uh, two weeks ago, once, uh, so the Motherwell by ourselves... Um, <laughs> it was a bad week. Um, so yeah. the first one was Hearts over 1.5 goals. Obviously, that didn't come in. Mm. Um, absolutely everybody bought it. We were mm. obviously on a high from Dundee United game, but not that. Boyce to score. Uh, Simon bought it. Paddy bought it. Cameron bought it. Everyone else sold it. So the points for a few people there. A striker to start. Again, that was a sell. Um, Jarvey Twitter and Instagram, who were wanting to keep the same team as last week, hmm. they all sold it. Sorry. So they got it. And uh, Taylor Moore to keep his place, he was back in the team. So that was a buy. Simon, Jarvey, Paddy. Actually, everybody bought that apart from me. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but it doesn't really change anything. The top of the leaderboard for this week were Twitter and Instagram with three and also Jarvey with three. Oh, Everyone else point. got one point. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible week. Yeah, myself <laughs> and the social media will water communities. Here we go. So on to this week, I've got some lovely choices for y'all. So, will we make amends this week and will Hearts score over 2.5 goals? Um, there's a wee star there that says there was five at home last time out and obviously that was done in the game. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. <laughs> Great research, man. Those fucking stats. Hearts are averaging five goals a game at home in the last one home game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. Fuck it. Let's live. Live. Over 2.5 buy for Simon. Um Hearts of games have been fucking nuts recently. I mean, I know we only lost 2-0, but most of the games have a few goals in them, eh? I'm gonna buy it and I'm gonna tell you the last. I'll tell you something once you've picked Tammy. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it. Insider training. Cameron Cameron has also sold it as well, by the way. Last time Hearts and St. Mirren played at Tynecastle in 2019, it was 5-2 to Hearts. Austin McPhee was a manager. Oh, Oh, shit. Yeah. Stephen Naismith on the scoreline. Jamie Walker, whatever happened to him. (laughs) Jake Mulroney scored. Bloody hell. (laughs) On you go, Hammy. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The next one, I think this was a personal one for Cameron. It says, uh, the Mekinef train to get some miles. So he got minutes in our last home blowout win, and he also came in at the weekend there, didn't he? So mm-hmm. 
any more minutes. I'm going to buy that one myself. So even if you come on the bit, come on from the bench. Aye, I'll buy that. I am also going to buy that. I feel like he's he's he must be doing something right because he seems to be getting a lot more favour. Yeah. Um. Third. So. Clean sheet. Um. This one is actually quite shocking. We've no clean sheet in the last six games. I'm going to sell it again. I don't think today's the day. Sell. Yeah, I'll sell that. I'm actually also going to sell it. Cameron bought that one. So. I'm, so, I'm so sorry, oh. Craig. <laughs> I blame the defence more than Craig, though. Okay. Did, uh, did Cameron buy over 2.5 goals? He sold over 2.5. He's bought the Mechanef train. So and... are we 1 or 2 now? 1 or 2 no. now. 0-0. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, over 56.5% possession. So 52% v St Mirren in the away tie and 55% in the last home game v Dundee United. I'll buy that. I think that's nailed on. I think that's an easy one. So yeah. Home. I'm going to buy it as well. Jarvie, you buying it? Yeah, I'll buy that. Cameron also bought it. And there's a bonus one. Sorry, I've just seen this. But it's... <laughs> um, so the bonus, it's not scored, but it's just between us, I think. Um, Jarvie to survive first night out since becoming a dad. Still. <laughs> so... <laughs> I not... going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, might not survive the second day being hungover with a baby for the first time. Uh, I'm selling it and Cameron also sold it. <laughs> I'll um, just go through, sorry, I'll just go through the running totals. I mm-hmm. really forgot. Um, so bringing up the rear is Paddy and Simon on 27. Then that's why Simon through. just rushed off. <laughs> He's run away, but they're actually catching up with uh, me. I'm on 28. Cameron's on 29, as well as Instagram. Jarvie, you're on 31, and Ooh. Twitter still ahead on 36. So. 36 now. Aye. A fair gap. Come and find your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. You've already won it. <laughs> um, good. Well, thank you, Hammy, covering uh, all the segments this week. <laughs> Much appreciated. Do you want to do the outro as well? Oh, you, you can have it, don't you worry. <laughs> uh, if you want to play along with Buy or Sell uh, or follow us on social media, if you are not already, it's at hearts underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to send us an email, heartspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're listening for Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a nice wee review or even just a couple of stars, but ideally five stars. That would be nice. And you can also spread the good word around the diggers and other establishments in the Gorgie area. <laughs> So until next time, keep washing your hands for the hearts. We'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.